Good morning, church. Welcome all those who are listening online. If not now, probably in the weeks to come. We pray a special blessing to you. I know we are going to get into the offering time. A time when we celebrate God's goodness. And the scriptures that I'll be reading from, two short scriptures. Um, first, the first one is Genesis 8, 22, and Exodus 25, 1-2. And then I have a brief um, story that might link to the, 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 the scriptures. So Genesis 8.22 says, As long as the earth endures or remains, it's seed time and harvest time, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, it will never cease. Exodus 25.1-2 says, the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. So we realize even in giving, the Lord would prompt us to give. So the, the testimony goes like this. I visited a friend yesterday and we were talking and... Um, I had uh, a cell phone with me and his son was there playing and the son, his name is Abraham and um, it's like something while he was playing, like something said um, give him the phone so I said to the father, I'm going to give him a phone but just, just play along with me so I gave him the phone and the phone was a fake iPhone um, long story, I'll tell you how I, how I got it. It was a fake iPhone. It looked like the original. So I presented to the father and said, look, um, this is the phone that I'm going to give your son. And he was looking at the phone. It looked perfect. He was taking pictures, looking at the back, looking at the front. And realizing when he was trying to use some of the apps on the phone, then he realized that the, um, the phone was fake. And he said, oh my God, these people are, are so, um, they're so good that they, they make the fake look like the original. So it is that the, the enemy will present stuff that looks like the original. All right, so we, we, the trick was to give, it the son to the phone, give the phone to the son and to see how he will respond. So we gave him the phone. He was so excited. Um, he was hugging us and said, thank you, thank you, thank you. I never had my phone. And he's um, 13 years old. Excited, went inside, um, showed his sister, kind of bragging at her. Hey, look what I got, look what I got. Very excited. Um, his expression alone will, will, um, was something that, you know, very, very animated. But within... Five minutes. <laughs> um, he said, Daddy, uh, I'm trying to get online, but it's not working. So, <laughs> me and the dad, we looked and we smiled. I was like, really? Um, try again. <laughs> and he went, try again. I said, no, Daddy, something, 
it, um, it don't look right. But it looked good, but it don't look right. And then we were there, and he was there trying um, to figure it out. And we said, oh, God, we said, hey, we can't do it no longer. We have to, we have to tell him. <laughs> I would say, Abraham, that is a fake phone. And he said, what? What? It looks so good. I said, yes. Because you are looking at the phone and you're seeing some of the, the specs that looks like the real phone. Then another thought came to me. No, this is wrong. I shouldn't be playing with the, the young man like this. So I said, Abraham, hold on one second. Let me go to the car. I think I might be able to help your situation. So I went in the car and I got him the real phone. And I said, guess what? This one is real. But what happened, a, a thought came to me. And I'm saying, isn't this how God is? God won't give us anything fake. The, the pleasure that God has for us to, to receive his blessing, the joy. The joy was just to see his reaction and him being thankful. And I'm saying, God is not different from us. He, we are in his image and his likeness. The way that we feel, he feels. And the, the idea that God will not receive an offering that is not your best. He will not receive an offering that you, you just give because just like that. Because as he said to Moses, you are to receive the offering from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. So he, he, he didn't say who will give, but he said who hearts prompt them to give. And then as we realize, how can God get things to us in this earth? He said, um, as long as the earth remains or endures right now, it's seed time and harvest time. But guess what? As the story continues, um, I met with somebody to purchase an item. And um, when I met the person who purchased the item, uh, uh, apparently, sometimes they said picture can't do justice. When I saw the item, the thing was brand new. And for the, 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 the cost that I got it from was minimal. So I called Ab um, Abraham, the father, and said, Hey, you won't believe this. I got, a, I got something that was well below market value. And he said, Yes. I said, Guess what? I really believe because I was able to bless your, your son with this item. And I don't think he's a believer, but he said, Kirk, you are so right. If you have not done that, the, the possibility and the opportunities open up to you won't, won't be there. So it is that God has his principles that he will never change. Seed time, harvest time. And we, we, we even experience the, the seasons. Summer, winter, day and night. The, 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 this is so practical that anybody can see once there's day, there's going to be night. It is not going to be day all the time. It's not going to be night all the time. So as we're wrapping up and we're thinking about the offering, present to God what God prompts you to give. And if he tells you to give a, an item, because he, 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 I felt the prompt, to give him the, the, the thing. And I said, well, you know, I really wanted to give it to somebody. But the Lord prompted me to give it to that particular guy at that time. Not before, but while we were sitting and talking. 
So the Lord will ask you to, to do stuff this week that might go beyond what you're thinking about. It might even, um, you're going to be tested because once you have seen and heard the word, the word has to be tested and challenged to see if you really believe what you say you believe. And the distinction is going to be great as we continue to obey him in everything. Not only in our offering, in our lives, in everything that the Lord is going to challenge us to do. Because he wants to bring items to us, but he has a way to do it. He has a, he has a prescribed way of doing it. And in his way, seed. So everybody know when you plant a seed, you should expect an harvest. But not tomorrow, not immediately, but in due season. And we know that you have to protect the, the seed. You have to put it in right soil. And for those who are online who want to um, join with us, remember the Lord only will only prompt you to give. You can give to our PayPal account, which is the email address, newhorizonmin at gmail.com. And the Zella, the Zella account for those who are in the States, it's the same email address, newhorizonmin at gmail.com. And what we want you to do also is to write us a testimony of how the Lord has um, blessed you and how the Lord has continued to make ways where there are no ways. I, I think sometimes we are actually mean with our testimonies or we, we think that the testimony is insignificant. We, we don't share it. Uh, we probably share the bad news more than the good news of God's goodness. But we want to change that. Because that's one of the ways that we overcome with the, the word of our testimonies. Of seeing that how, God, how good God is. So as we continue in worship, we are going to pray for the offering. And we are going to ask the Lord to bless it as he sees fit. So Father, thank you again that you have given us this opportunity to give back to you a portion in which you have already blessed us with you have given us so much you have provided so much for us the seen and the unseen in the day and in the night you cause us to sleep you cause us to rest we are so thankful for you Lord and Lord help us to never forget your goodness because indeed you said that the things that you provide, you just want us to be thankful. The things that we need. But you, you say first things first. We're supposed to seek you first more than the things. We're supposed to seek you in spite of the things. If we have or if we have not, we're supposed to seek you. But so we're supposed to present back to you the seed. Because you already presented to us the perfect seed which is Jesus Christ, in which we are his seed of his righteousness. So Lord, we thank you again as we present back to you what you already given us. That Lord, we can be good and cheerful givers. That we can be in the, the atmosphere to bless those around us. Those who have not yet known, known you or known you or come into a relationship with you. Because that, that is what this thing is all about. Reaching the unsaved, getting people in right standing with you. And as I'm praying, I will think about um, 
um, that guy, Kanye West. Lord, you cannot be mocked. Whatever his intention is or whatever, you probably spoke to him to, to do what he's doing. And Lord, we pray that, Lord, you will lead him, you will send people around him to, to show him the way, to show him, you know, let him not do this on his own or try to see how he can develop this thing because he's, he's going into uncharted territories. He's going to eras where even it says for the priest to be a certain way. And Lord, sometimes in, in right intention, you can strike him down. And we saw that when the, the guy was touching the ark, when the ark was falling. Never touch or put unholy hands on things that is holy. Because Lord, we walk in your righteousness and we cannot enter in unless you call us. You are the one that is cleaning us and cleansing us. So Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. And as we continue the, the service, we're going to do the, the communion and in which we're going to play a song selection and get into the word and the announcements and be blessed. Continue to be with us and continue to pray with us as you are listening and we ask for God's goodness also to be with us as we share and as we display his goodness at this time. about the goodness of God and all that he has done for us it's a good day when you think about your week how it could have been and you say God you kept me you kept me Lord God there are other persons whose stories are different from mine this morning but Lord you kept me you kept my family you kept my friends you kept those who are associated with me God and this morning, God, all I can do is say thank you. Lord, we are mindful this morning that there are some whose stories are not like ours. Because they are mourning this morning. They are sorrowful or they are depressed and stretched this morning. But this morning, God, I can say thank you. Thank you for keeping us. Thank you for wrapping us in your arms. Thank you for protecting us from the evil one. Thank you, Father. There's so much to give you thanks for. So much to give you thanks for, God. And we do not take it lightly that our situations could have been different. This morning we sang about you are our strength, you are our peace. And I don't know if we really believed it. 
When we sang, we sang from our heart that God, this morning we could have woke, when we got up this morning, our limbs could have been so weak we could not move. Our minds could be so disturbed that we had no peace. But this morning, God, we can say you gave us an opportunity to come into the house of the Lord and give you thanks. And so, Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you this morning, God, that we get an opportunity to praise you. We get an opportunity to worship you. We thank you, Father. This morning, I just want to continue in the grain of worship, and we just want to do our communion this morning. We recognize that Jesus left an example for us to follow. And he said that often as you can do it, do it in remembrance of him. Before the night before Jesus was betrayed, he, he took bread and he took the cup of wine, which represented his body and his blood. And he broke the bread and he offered it to his disciples who sat around him. Jesus knew that he was going to be leaving them physically. But he wanted to, to have a last meal with them before he left. He wanted to prepare them for what was going to come and he wanted to share with them that the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the counselor who was coming as the other anointed one, the other counselor, the other comforter who would come to live within, live within them was going to come. And he wanted them to know that though I am physically leaving, I am spiritually here because I am coming to live inside of you. And so that night he broke bread and he said to them, eat the bread that represents my body and drink the, the wine that represents my blood. And this morning we want to do it. We want to stop this morning and search our hearts. We want to take the, the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner because we are careful to understand that there are many who fall sick, many who die because they have taken it in an unworthy manner. They have taken the bread and the wine when they have not yet accepted that free gift of forgiveness and salvation that Jesus offers. And so this morning, I just want us to stop for a minute. Confess our sins to the Lord. Ask him to cleanse us because you can never repent enough. There's never a cap where you say, okay, after reaching so many repentance, you stop. As often as you sin, as often as your thoughts are incorrect, wrong, sinful thoughts, sinful actions, God says to us, come and ask for his forgiveness. And then he forgives us of our sins. And as, as, as my husband said this morning, that he makes you right again with him. After this morning, I just want us to stop and just whisper to the Lord where you have gone wrong this week. Are there any unconfessed sins? Are there any thoughts that you are carrying over from last week, last month, last year that you did not confess? Now is the time so that we can enter into the holies of holies 
as clean vessels that God has forgiven and cleansed. Lord, forgive us, Lord, for the unconfessed sins. Forgive us for the thought life. Forgive us for the actions. Forgive us for the desires that are contrary to someone who belongs to the King of Kings. Forgive us, Father, where we have drifted off, where we have gone astray, where we have allowed thoughts that are planted by the enemy to captivate our minds for any period of time. Forgive us. Forgive us, Father God, sometimes for the regrets that we live in. For the time that we, 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 we grumble and complain. Forgive us for the time, Lord, that we, we say to you, God, where we raise our fist to you and say, God, you, God, made me. Forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, when we are not accepting of that which you have given us. Forgive us, Lord, when we complain about the pathway that you have taken us on. Forgive us, Father, when we grumble, Father God, about the surroundings that we are in or, or our life situation that we, we, we grumble that it needs to be changed. Forgive us, Father. Lord, we ask you to cleanse us this morning and make us right with you. Only you can restore us to that place, God, of, of being redeemed, God, where we have access with God the Father and able to speak to him from our hearts and accept and receive his forgiveness. Lord, we are mindful this morning that we cannot attain righteousness. We cannot attain forgiveness because we cannot work enough for it. But we recognize this morning, Lord, all that you ask us to do is to receive it because Jesus has already done it. He paid it all. He paid it all, God, so that this morning we can come together and stand as one who has been forgiven. This morning we can stand because the blood of Jesus this morning cleanses us and washes us this morning. Thank you, God, that we can stand because your body was broken for us, God. And because of your stripes that you took to your body, we can declare and claim healing over our bodies, over our minds, over our hearts, over our families, God. And so this morning, Lord, as we offer, we wave the bread to you this morning. We thank you that it is sanctified. We thank you that when it goes into our bodies, God, change will be made. Healing will come in our physical bodies. Healing will come where we are emotionally damaged. Healing will come where we are spiritually hurting. Healing will come where, where we have social issues, where we are, we are unhealthy. And so this morning, God, we stop. And we take up the body of Christ this morning that was broken for us. And we claim your healing. 
in Jesus' name. Lord, we take the wine that represents your blood that was shed for us. And we know that there is power in the blood of Jesus. We know today that there is power in the name of Jesus. And I declare over our atmosphere, I declare over our homes, of everyone represented here and over our listeners, that there is power in the blood of Jesus in your homes, in your workplace, in your life, in your finances, in your emotional situation, there is power in the blood of Jesus this morning. And we give you thanks, Father, as we take of this cup and as we drink of this wine that represents your blood. We give you thanks and we rejoice, God, because today we know, today we know, God, that our lives have been changed. And we give you thanks as we drink in Jesus' name. I am mindful that we're we're what? A week and change away from our retreat. Our purposeful living retreat that we are planning, we are over a little over a week away. I'm excited. I am looking forward to what God is doing. I'm excited for those who, who are coming that the Lord has opened the door for them to come. I'm excited that we're going to come together and hear the Lord speak to us through his word. I'm excited that we're coming together to worship him together where there will be nothing to hold us back, no time. We don't have to worship and finish in two hours. We can go all day. I am really looking forward to that time to just to see God show up and, 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 and speak to us because we, Lord, we, we want to hear from him. We don't want to come back the way we, we went. We want to hear from him and to hear him speak words of comfort and wisdom and counsel in our lives. We want him to heal us where we are broken. We want him to give us wisdom where we need to make decisions. And so we are looking forward and it is not too late if you want to come up because they, though we may not have any, any free accommodation anymore, but what we have we do have the hotel spaces where you can rent. You can go ahead and, and book yourself into Ampton in hotel Fly your way down to Texas and let us know. And you can go or you can drive and come and be with us for a day. If you can't spend, spend with the three days. You can go on, on, on our website and you can www.newlifehorizon.org and register. Because we need to know that you're coming so that we can make preparations for you. Looking forward to seeing you. And, and, and it's because it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. Because once God is going to be there, it's going to be a good time. So come out and join us, ladies. And this morning, I just want to thank the Lord for just being with us. I didn't introduce myself before. My name is Ava Green Cameron. And I am just thankful for the Lord for how far he has brought us, you know. We may 
sometimes you, you wonder because you may say, God, you have your plans and I have my plans. And sometimes the plans don't coincide. But we are learning that God's way is always the better way, the best way. And we are learning to lay down our plans and our desires and our hopes and dreams and take up that which he has for us. Because he has the best. He has no bad desire for us. He said, no good thing will I withhold from those who love me and walk uprightly. So we recognize that God is saying, I have everything in store for you that is good. So I have no reason to hold back. What is he going to do with the thing that he has for you? He has no need for them. If he says a cattle, cattle on a thousand hills belong to me. He, he, he's not eating, eating steak. What is he going to do with it? It's for us. But we must position ourselves so that we can receive that which God has for us. The topic of my message this week is, are you in? This is a part two version of what we did last week. Last week we observed that God has given us the most important tool, if not the only tool we need for the Christian journey. He has given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers followers of Jesus to become bold, we recognized last week, to be courageous, to be confident, to be loving, to be compassionate, to be kind, to be gracious. And But the tool is for us to go and to invite others and to say to them that you too are invited in. We recognize that they, they, for those who are already in, we, we have a mandate to go. But we also recognize that there are some who are not yet in and need to be invited in. And so Jesus had made a, a very simple process for us. It's a very simple. Think about it. He could have made it so much more complicated. But he made it, gave us a very simple process. And the process is, all we, he asks us to do is to confess our sins. And you may ask, but why do I need to confess my sins? I have not done anything. I have been a good girl. I have been morally correct according to the standards of culture and the world. I have never, I have never stealed. I, I have never cheated. I have never robbed anyone. I have never murdered. And people will say all of those things that they have never done. But this morning I can say to you that the mere fact that you were born as a human being, we, we recognize that the sin came in from our father Adam. Sin came in where Adam and Eve sinned. And because they sinned, we were born in sin. And we were shaped in iniquity. And then not only that, but you and I continue. We lie. We deceive. We do other things. We may not physically go out and murder someone. But we have negative thoughts about others in our minds. And those alone cause us and tell us that we have sinned. And if you have not gotten to that place where you formally sat down, stand up, lie down, whatever position that you are in and confess your sin where you said to God, God, I know I have sinned and I have never done this before. Forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins. I recognize that just by what Adam did, relationship with God the Father was broken. And I recognize that just by my lying and being deceptive 
and being having negative thoughts in my mind about others, I too have sinned. And until I ask you to forgive me of my sins, until I believe in my heart that you are Christ, you are the risen Lord, until I believe God and act upon it, that you are the risen God and that I give my life to you, I recognize that I'm still a sinner. And so today we are giving you an opportunity to come and to say to the Lord where you are. You don't have to be in a church setting. Just right where you are. Ask him to forgive you. Say, God, I have sinned. And because I have sinned, God, I know I, I have a broken relationship with you that I want to mend today. I cannot do it of my own, but I can ask you to forgive me. You can name the sins if you remember them, and if you don't, just say, Lord, forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me of everything that I have done that is unrighteous in your sight, and make me today a daughter, a son of the king. I believe that you are God. I believe that you died and that you rose again because that is the, the caveat or the caveat. The fact that he died and he rose again. And so this morning I just want you to talk to the father and hear him say to you, come my daughter, come my son. I have forgiven you and I will make you my, my, my I, 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 eternal life is what he offers us. He gives us eternal life. As I shared this morning that the, the, the theme or the topic of my message is are you in? It's a question that we all have to ask. Am I in? Am I in? And we'll be looking at Acts 2 this morning. And Acts 2 speaks about the, the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit that Jesus had promised the disciples came. They were in an upper room. They were together as instructed. And the, there was a sudden violent wind that came in from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. They saw tongues. They were able to see the tongues of fire coming and resting upon them. And they were able to hear each other speak languages that they did not know, they did not learn but were understood by those who were on the outside who heard. So we see in Acts 2 that the, the, the God-fearing Jews, I'm in verse 5, heard them speaking and they heard the sound and they were saying, but I hear them speaking in my native language. And so we see that they were bewildered, they were amazed, they were perplexed. And some with sincere hearts, whose hearts were touched, says, I need to know what is happening. But we understand that there were the mockers also who said, oh, they were drinking, they are drunk. And so we recognize that Peter stood up and he boldly declared something that he never did because he was running and hiding before because the Savior is Messiah who he thought would have come and redeemed Israel from the Roman Empire. He's now gone. And now Peter is saying, I am now bold because I have been given the tool 
I have been given the Holy Spirit. I am confident. And he, he burst out through the doors and he started to speak. And he, he spoke about the last days that God said he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And men and women, not gender specific, he said men and women, not age specific, boys and girls, old men, young men, will dream and, and have vision. And God was saying to them, when I come, I'll touch everyone. No matter your gender, no matter your age, when I come with the Holy Spirit, everyone will be touched. And we saw Peter speaking with the confidence that he has because he, he now understands that not only did he follow Christ and saw him dead and resurrected, but he's now empowered because the promise that Jesus made to him holds through. And so we, we, we recognize Peter saying to them, the ones who were sincere in their hearts, and one, he said, you know what you need to do? You need to repent. You need to be re repent and be baptized. If you have never, if you have accepted Christ as a new believer today, last year, last week, the Peter is saying that you need to be baptized. You need to repent and be baptized. That's, that's one of the steps that you make. It's not only to say, God, I have ask you to be forgiven of my sins. But there's another step. The next step is to be baptized. And Peter said, and when you make that step, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because it's a promise not only to the disciples or to the apostles, but it's a disciple to every believer. And to every believer's children, and to every believer's grandchildren, and to our nephews, and to our nieces, and to our cousins, and to our siblings, for anyone who chooses to accept Christ, the promise is also for them. But then he warned them and he pleaded, and he said, Save yourself, because he knows that there are some who will hear and don't obey. And he said, Save yourself. Save yourself by accepting the message that I was giving. And we see that those who were sincere, they got devoted. The new disciples now became, joined with the older disciples and they started to meet together and to fellowship and they started to break bread and they started to read the word and they started to worship and praise. And the scripture says, that they praised God and they enjoyed the favor of everyone. Imagine those who had lots a lot shared with those who had little and there was no discrimination there, there was no point where they said okay you don't have much so you go over there or you can't join this group because this is the, the, the money group or this is the big group or this is the, the or you can't join this group because you, it was everybody no matter where they came from if they were Ethiopian Jews they could join if they were Jews from Europe they could join wherever they were they could join. And that is what God is saying to us today. Wherever you are from, no matter your nation, no matter your culture, no matter your skin color, no matter your race, no matter the language you speak, he's saying, when we come together and devote ourselves to the word and to praise and to, and, and, and to break bread and to pray, he said he comes because that's what he does. And so this morning, that's what we want to look at. We want to look at the fact that Peter gave an offering, made an offering, an invitation to those who were around, who were listening. And this morning, 
like Peter, I want to give an offering. I want to give an invitation to those who have not yet accepted Christ. I want to also give an invitation to those who have accepted Christ and say to you, are you in? Because when you are in, this is what it looks like. And if you are not in, this is what you do to come in. There's an invitation this morning for eternal life that God is offering to every one of us to come and to be a part of his family. I read a story about a pastor who received a voice message saying, the church has no power. And I'm just thinking, if I got a text like that, what would my thoughts be? If someone texts me this morning prior to church and say, the church has no power, what would I think? I could interp interpret it two different ways. I could interpret it and say, okay, the person is saying that the, the power of the Holy Spirit is absent from the church. Or I could interpret it to say, okay, there's a power outage, meaning that there's no light and all of that. And we know if there was a power outage, how miserable it would have been. No air condition, no light, no, no ability to stream, no microphone, no music, no audio system, nothing like that. But I also recognize if, 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 the, if, if, if the other was true, where there's, no there's no power of the Holy Spirit, the problem would be a thousand times worse. Because where there's no power, where there's no, the power of the Holy Spirit is missing. It is devastating. We mouth things. We, we, we say things. And it's not from our hearts. So we sing songs and we sing from our minds or we read the words and we mouth them because we can read. Because there's no Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit comes, it changes the very atmosphere. It changes our very hearts. It changes everything and it changes your desire. So as you come and you worship, it draws you into worship. But what the caller meant was that there was no electric power. So imagine hearing that message as a pastor, as a leader over a ministry or whatever position you had in church where you heard that there is no power, the church has no power. And this morning I want us to, to be looking at the, the disciples' lives. I want us to look at what they did. I want us to look at the pivotal changes they experienced because of the Holy Spirit. We saw last week how the Holy Spirit came and he transformed the lives of every person he indwelled. We saw where those who weren't bold became bold. We saw those who were fearful were no longer fearful. We saw those who were running and hiding no longer had to hide because they now had something inside of them or someone inside of them that was bigger than themselves. This week we want to look at the pivotal changes the disciples experienced after receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to see the evidence of how devoted they were in, in, in the way they loved each other. Because I recognize and I learned it and I know it was the Holy Spirit who taught me that when I was preparing for last week. It blew my mind that some things you overlook. That when the Holy Spirit comes, not only is he, is he giving you boldness, 
he's giving you a heart of love. And he's giving you a heart of compassion. And I said to the Lord, I said, God, that is what I need. I know that I need that because I'm a logical thinker. I go to solution first. My first mode is that when everything, anything goes wrong, I go to fix it mode. I do not engage emotions. Because for, for me, emotions come after I have fixed it. But last week when I was preparing, or the week before when I was preparing for last week Sunday, and the Holy Spirit showed me, he said, no, but when I come, I come this way. I don't only allow you to stand in a crowd and not be fearful. I give you a heart of love. I give you a heart of forgiveness. I give you a heart of compassion. I cause you to be kind. I cause you to be good. I cause you to be gracious. I cause you to be devoted to what I have called you to do. And I remember listen, listening one week to Stephen Furtick. I've not listened to Stephen Furtick for at least three years good. I've not listened to anything that he said. And I don't know how I felt led to just to listen to something. To just, I just saw him on YouTube and I just decided to listen. listen. And when I heard him say, if I, if I go to church as often as I want to go, I would only go three times. He said, only three times per year would he want to preach. And when he said it, I smiled. God, you saw how I danced before you. And I said, God, I feel actually felt normal. But I recognize that it's not me alone. It's that when the Holy Spirit comes and he lives inside of us, he calls us to be devoted to the thing that he calls us to do. He prepares us. And so no longer do you have the luxury of just going and doing when you want to go and when you want to do. And he's expecting excellence. He's expecting you to do whatever he called you to do with excellence. Not just to do it and just show up and then, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what is required of me. No. He's saying to us, prepare your hearts before me, even before you come. Prepare to come and to do corporate worship so when you meet with others, what you come and what you bring and what I bring and what you bring and other persons bring, it is going to be a, a, it's like a basket full before him. It is a, a bounty full of praise. But when you come and you're waiting on the music to crank you up and you do a fast one and you're waiting on it to get you to that place, you don't come prepared. You don't come as one who is devoted. And he's saying to us, no, when I come and I live inside of you, I come to change everything about you. I come to change how loyal you are. I come to change how faithful you are. I come to change how devoted you are. I come to change how compassionate and loving you are. I come to change how gracious you are. I come to change how kind you are. I come to change how, how bold, how confident, how courageous you are. The disciples were obedient to Jesus' instruction. And so they gathered together and they waited in the upper room. What I noticed about the disciples is that they had the saving power of Christ. So they were already saved. They were already baptized. They got the commission to go in Matthew 28, 19 to 20. But they could not go until they had the upper room experience. They could not move until they were indwelt, until they were empowered to go. So how did Peter change from denying Jesus to becoming a man who defended and declared him Lord? 
How did the disciples change from being cowards to becoming courageous and confident? How did the apostles change from being frightened to becoming fearless? How did the disciples change from being a place where they said to Jesus, send them away, when Jesus said, but we need to feed them, and they said, send them away. How did they come from that move from that place of saying, send them away, to come and being devoted and, let, and breaking bread together and meeting in each other's homes each week? Or even every day, I think the scripture said, they met in each home every day. The boldness, confidence, and love that they experienced did not come because they had a change of mind or heart towards Jesus. The pivotal change that they experienced was because they received the power of the Holy Spirit. They were now equipped to leave the upper room. They were now equipped to fulfill their purpose. They were now equipped to spread the gospel and to invite others in. They were now equipped to heal the sick. They were now equipped to comfort the mourners. They were now equipped to counsel, to intercede, to love, to encourage, to prophesy, to testify. The, the, the disciples were now equipped to go. They experienced some pivotal changes when the Holy Spirit came in their lives. Their lives were changed. Their language changed. And their message changed. The disciples' lives before and after receiving the Holy Spirit was like night and day. Literally night and day. Those who were carnally minded became spiritually minded. Now you think about John and James, the sons of Zebedee who desired, who their mother went to Jesus and said, I'm asking that one of my sons sit on your left and one sit on her right. And you think about it. She has the nerve, eh? She didn't even leave one side for somebody else. But they too had that desire because when Jesus asked them, he said, but do you, paraphrasing, do you fulfill the requirement of sitting there? They actually said yes. But now that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they had an assignment that was bigger than their ambition. They were no longer desiring what I want, my little position. They were now saying, I need to go and be a witness. While Jesus was with his disciples, they faltered in their faith. We see with the demon-possessed boy when the, the man said to Jesus, I brought my son to your disciples and they could not heal him. But now having the power of the Holy Spirit, we saw many wonders, healings and miracles, signs and wonders being done in Jesus in Acts 2.43. We saw before, after Jesus' crucifixion, they were in a state of disrepair and inactivity. And we can say approximately about two months, nothing much spiritually significant was happening because we saw when Jesus died and he rose and that 40 day that he was with them and while they were hiding and all of that waiting for the holy spirit was approximately about two months but after they were filled with the holy spirit they literally charged out from behind closed doors they literally bolted out boldly and confidently proclaiming the resurrection of jesus they literally turned the world upside down They stayed together behind locked doors because they feared the Jews in John 20, 19. 
but having received the power of the Holy Spirit, they now fellowshiped daily with each other in, the, in homes. They meet in the temple courts. They devoted themselves to studying, teaching the word, worshiping and prayer in Acts 2, 42, 47. Where they were once despondent, they were now filled with joy in Luke 24, 52. After Jesus' crucifixion, some of them went back to their old profession. And we see in John 21, 1 to 14, where Peter and, about, uh, and the, other, the other fishermen went back and they were fishing. But now that they were empowered, they now had the courage and the strength they needed to effectively fulfill their assignment. They no longer ran and hide like sheep without a shepherd in Matthew 9, 36. According to John, 1 John 3, 6, no one who lives in God keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen God or known him. In 1 John 3, verse 9, he says, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has, was, has been born of God. So, so, so we see that the lives of the disciples change because they are the seed of the Holy Spirit that was living on the inside of them. And if you look in your life and there's no change from last week or last month or last year, check it. Because the scripture said, if the seed of God lives on the inside of us, we cannot continue to sin. He's going to come and he's going to quicken you. He's going to come and he's going to show you that yes, I don't only make you bold and fearless, I make you loving and compassionate. I make you forgiving. I make you kind. I make the fruit of the spirit become evident in your life. And so if you are not seeing the fruit of the spirit coming and, and growing, even if it is a small and there's no desire for change, check it. Do I have the Holy Spirit? Have I accepted the invitation? Am I in? All of those questions you need to ask yourself. When you and I experience the new birth in Jesus, it is not just a fresh start that we get. But what we get is we get the continual presence of the Holy Spirit to live in us. We cannot continue to live our lives the way we do. We must experience change. We must experience change. We must experience change in our lives if the Holy Spirit is living, if the Holy Spirit indwells, if the Holy Spirit has filled us. So we see that they had a change in their life. The pivotal change they experienced was a change in their life, which actually changed their lifestyles. And now we see the next change they experienced was a change in their language. When our life changes, it impacts the way we speak. It impacts the way we are speech. It impacts the things we speak about. It impacts the what? The conversations we have. It changes the things that we even consider joke. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. 
And the same thing Jesus is saying to us this morning. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you speak as one who is filled. You act like one who is filled. You live as one who is filled. Peter was a foul, foul mouth and a liar who denied that he knew Jesus. He swore and he cursed and he spoke without thinking. Peter had no filter. He had no cap. He just spoke as he thought. Anything that came to his mind, he said it. But we saw a difference in Peter when he was filled. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit's power and his speech changed. His thought changed and his understanding changed. Peter spoke with the unction of the Holy Spirit. He spoke with the fire. He spoke with emphasis. And even his tone changed. The tone that Peter spoke with on the day of Pentecost, he had never spoken with before. His language and his speech had changed because his life had changed. He was an ordinary, unschooled, uneducated man who walked with Jesus. But now he was a bold and confident man. His lack of education was no longer evident in his speech. Because when he opened his mouth and, and proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus, the Holy Spirit allowed his hearers to understand his message clearly and accept it. And we would have think that, okay, for God to use Peter, why wouldn't he have used someone who is more educated? But he said, no, I can use any vessel. I can use any vessel that is available, that is willing, because he gets the praise. Peter's, the disciple had no fame. Actually, approximately seven of them were fishermen. One is a tax collector, which was looked down on. And another, what a zealot, which we considered, the, he was known as a, as, a, as, a, as a thief, a murderer. But God gave them an audience in which to speak. Imagine, they were not learned men. They were not educated men. They were not men who had, 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 had grace and dignity. But God gave them audience with all the God-fearing Jews that came to Jerusalem from all over the world. As they praised and declared the wonders of God, they spoke multiple languages that they did not learn. Their words caused the God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven to become perplexed and amazed. In James 3, 9 to 13, James said, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. And then James asked, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? James asked. Let him show it by his good life. By the deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. He said, when I was a child... I spit, I spoke, I talked, I speak like a child. I thought like a child. And so what James is saying, that when we come to know Christ, our language change. We, I cannot spend the time to, I should not, 
take my mouth to bless you and at the same time take my mouth to curse you. I should not at the same time praise God and then use my mouth to use, to use curse languages. I should not speak to God and say, God, you are all and praise him. And at the next moment I get, the things that are coming from my mouth are not edifying. And James is asking us this morning, how can you say that you are filled with the Holy Spirit yet your life does not reflect? That's what he's asking us. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, your life should reflect in your lifestyle and in your language that you are filled. We saw a change in the disciples' message. A changed life brings forth a changed language which influences the message we speak. No good tree bears bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. Luke 6, 43, 44. Peter had a powerful and spirit-filled message. He boldly declared Jesus as Lord and Savior. His message was one of judgment, but it was also one of love, hope, and redemption. He warned and he pleaded that the day of judgment was coming to those who reject Jesus Christ. But he also offers an invitation of repentance, salvation, and blessing to those who accept the invitation. When the message was preached, the sincere among the crowd were cut to heart. They were deeply moved and they wanted to know the meaning of what they heard. But those who sat and listened and were the mockers, they asked those disciples, they commented, those disciples were drinking excessively, they are drunk. And that's the situation with us this morning. When we sit and we hear God speak through a vessel, we are, we are either in a position where we are moved deeply, and we want to know what can I do to bring about change in me or we can take the position of the mockers and we can say oh we may not even say the person is dr drunk but we may just brush it off because it's not relative it's not re relevant it's not your you just don't feel it is your message Peter no longer sounded like the uneducated man he was his re message reflected that he was now bold and confident and can you imagine an uneducated man standing before a crowd and 3,000 of them heard the message, accepted the message and were baptized? That is what the Holy Spirit does. Although the disciples were beaten and thrown into prison, only death could have silenced them because they were so clear, they were so confident, they were so sure of their assignment, they had a message to proclaim. And the question I ask you this morning as I ask myself, can persecution, can jail, can being flogged change my message? Can the situation that the enemy comes with or even God allows can those change me from bringing the message? Or what have stopped you from bringing that message? 
What have caused you not to declare the message? What have caused you not to be bold and confident? Is it that you are not indwelled with the Holy Spirit? Because if you aren't, he's saying to you this morning, I can do it now. I, you don't have to make an appointment. You're not going to a specialist that need an appointment. You don't have to make a telephone call. You don't have to send a, a, a FedEx, a FedEx a package and to, for him to open it. You don't have to wire a letter to him. He said, you can ask me now and I can fill you. So is there an example for us to follow when we look at Acts 2 this morning? I remember being afraid to speak. I remember even when I was in seminary and I had to preach every single week. It was like, oh my God. I had to go through this again and again and again. And I remembered one night when we had to share. We were doing an all-night prayer meeting at a church. And we had to share. Oh my. I was so nervous. I was so nervous. For every word I said, I, I drank some water. It was like this, my, my lips were coming together. I was so nervous. And I watched God move. I watched God change me so I can speak, I can talk, and the nerve. And it's not because I become bold in me. It's not because I become more confident in my abilities. It's because of what the Holy Spirit was doing or has been doing in me. I remember even as a child, I, I would never want to I would sing in, a, in, the, in the school's choir, but you never hear my voice. I would mime. I was always conscious of my husky voice. My voice was always deeper than the boys from then. I had a lisp. And everything negatively I could think about myself, I thought. And that made me unable to use my voice. And maybe today, you're at a place where you're saying, I can't share the gospel because... Uh, because of whatever, you can fill your own blanks in because of that, or because of that, or because of that. You fill them in, you know. Or you may say, I'm un unqualified. You may say, I cannot even preach because I never go to seminary. Or you may say, I am shy, like, oh, I thought I was shy. You, you, you may have all the different things, and they are genuine things because these are things that you are evidence in your life. And you may have lived with them and you may have been told by others that you actually have these negative, negative things. But like Peter this morning, God has given us a message and he has given us the tool. He has empowered us to speak in any setting that he has called us to speak. He, first thing he said, he said, I do not equip you before I call you. When I call you, I equip you and I give you a message. I give you an effective message for the audience in which I have called you to speak. So if he calls you to speak to one, he has given you the word. If he calls you to speak to a hundred, he has already given you the word. And if he has called you to speak to a thousand, he has already given you the word. And the tool is the same. The Holy Spirit is the same for one. He's the same for a hundred. You don't need more of him for a hundred. You need the same amount for one. The Holy Spirit equips us to accomplish what God desires for us to accomplish. Maybe you are like the Jews hearing the message of Jesus this morning for the first time. Or you have heard it before over and over again. But you were just not deeply moved. You did not want to do it because you felt like I have better things to do or, or you may think I am not a sinner. 
Like them, you are not moved into action. But Jesus is saying to you this morning, do not harden your hearts when you hear me calling you. When he calls, he's saying to us, repent. Repent of our sins and accept his, his invitation to have eternal life. Because eternal life we're going to all have. But it is where we're spending it. And with whom we're spending it. The example the disciples have given us again, he says, is to devote ourselves to the word. The new believers joined the older believers and they devoted themselves to the word. If you are even a believer for 40 years, God is saying to you, devote yourself to the word. You cannot grow spiritually without the word. And then another thing that we saw them doing, they fellowshiped with each other. They broke bread, they worshipped, and they prayed with each other. We cannot grow spiritually by ourselves. There are no lone rangers in the kingdom. You and I need to be in a setting where we are learning from God's word. We need to be in a setting where we are praying with others. We need to be in a setting where there are persons who are sharpening us, who are, who are sharing with us, who are changing our lives by sharing information with us so that we can mature in our faith. Actually, I believe that we all need someone who we are accountable to. We, need, we all need someone as a believer who can encourage us, but at the same time correct us. Many believers fall into sin because there is no one to correct them. Many believers fall into sin because there is no one who can say to you, my sister, my brother, I see you doing something. What you're doing is not right. Where I see you going is not right. Where the conversations I hear you are having are not right. They are not godly. And if you do not have someone who is pouring into your life who can correct you and encourage you, I'm saying to you today, you need to ask the Lord to find you that person. The disciples' zeal for God and love for each other were contagious. They recognized other believers, which I blew my mind, as their brothers and their sisters. They just didn't see them as other Christians. They were now a family. So they shared everything. It was a healthy community that attracted other people to Christ. When you and I are doing what God has called us to do. We will attract people. What are you and I doing to make our church the kind of place that will attract others to Christ? Are people coming to know Christ because of us? And that's a question I have to ask. How many persons are coming to know Christ weekly, daily, monthly, yearly because of my life? because of how I'm living. I'm, uh, is my zeal attracting others? Is the way I'm living with others becoming, showing, show, demonstrating something that others want that relationship? Is there a sin to avoid? The disciples show us that we are not to make fun of what God is doing, even when we do not understand it. The mockers mocked because they did not understand. Those who reject, rejected Christ 
rejected him because they did not understand their need for him. Avoid living dual lives. We saw where the disciples, once they were filled, we never had to wonder if they were filled. It was obvious. They no longer lived to impress those persons around them. They no longer lived wanting to be accepted. They lived knowing the truth. They lived understanding that they, because they were indwelled, they had to live as someone who was indwelled. Their lifestyle reflected the change. Because, you know, many times we can live two ways. We can live in a, amongst people that we're trying to impress and we, we are the sweetest person. We do things for them that we would never do for the person that we do not care as much about. And all of us are guilty of that. But God is saying to us today, when I come and I indwell you, I am changing all of that. I remember something the Lord shared with me this week. I was having a conversation with a lady. And I remember something the Lord shared with me. And it was actually, it was more than a, a hit in my rib. Because we were talking about serving and how we go. We, we were planning an event together. And she was sharing with me that God she was just calling me to pray over me and what God was saying to her that, what, that she needs to do for me. And she was saying to me that God said um, she needs to support me in everything that I am doing. And it's, she's, So she normally have um, functions. She normally do conferences and everything. But she felt like God is saying to her she's to lay low and come behind me. And she said, and she said to me, and when the Lord told me that, he says, I am not, you are not going to be leading as a figurehead you're going to be leading and I am to follow. And I said to her, because when I was listening to her, I heard the Lord saying to me, because no, he was, he was now dealing with me. He was saying, it is easy to go and serve those you do not know. But I want you to begin to serve those that you know. And so I'm hearing her speak and she's saying to me that she want, she, the Lord is saying to her because she's naturally someone who will take over. And she's saying, the Lord is saying to me, I don't want you to be planning any more conferences. I want you to join with Ava and start to plan conferences and go behind her and support her 100%. And all I'm hearing God saying to me, when you go, it is easy to go and serve those you do not know. Start serving those that you know. So here she was, she was getting her rebuke and she was telling me how he was rebuking her. And as she was speaking to me, I was hearing him rebuking me in my spirit. And so we have to, we have to be careful how we live these dual lives. We hear about funerals where people go and, 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 and the body is there in the casket and a wife or a, or a child will say, but I do not know the man they are speaking about or I do not know the woman who is in that casket they are speaking about. I don't know that personality. They are not as gentle with me as they are with those who are saying they are all that. And God is saying to us, when I indwell you, your dual life no longer exists because now you are consistent in everything that you do. You live one way where everywhere you go, people can say the same. Those who know you the most, those who are the closest to you can say the same as those who meet you when you happen to be displaying your better qualities. 
When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we display a consistent life. We praise God on a Sunday, but when we're driving on the road on a Monday, the, the, the person who is bad driving us, the person who is overtaking us, the person who is doing the stupid things on the road, should look at us and say, that's how she was on ch in church on Sunday. It should be noticeable in our conversation that we are filled. It should be noticeable in our relationships that we are filled. It should be noticeable the way I love you and you love me that I am filled. It should be noticeable in my home that the way I serve my husband and the way that he serves me is that we are both filled. It should be noticeable in our workplaces amongst the co-workers that are good and the ones that are not so good and the ones that are bad that we are filled. It should be noticeable in our communities that we are filled. By our fruit, we will be known. What fruit have you been bearing? Have you been bearing an inconsistent fruit? A fruit that is filled with the Spirit at when it is convenient to you and another, and another day when it is not convenient, when you choose to be your true self, that you bear another fruit? We cannot continue to live as citizens of the kingdom of Satan, yet showing that we are belonging to the kingdom of God. Based on what we saw in Acts 2, we are looking at what are the commands that from their lives, from Acts 2, that we can obey, and are there any promises for us to claim? We saw Peter saying, repent. Repent of your sins. This week was a week of repentance for me. I did not know that I had so much kuru kuru. I just did not know that I had so much stuff inside of me that needed to be addressed. And as I came before the Lord this week, and I mean not one day, I mean Monday and Tuesday, and the shower, out of the shower, in the bed, everything I'm doing, I'm just hearing him saying to me, there are stuff inside of you that I'm cleaning up. So Peter is saying to us, repent. Repent of your sins. Repent where you do not have a right mindset towards someone. Repent where you have not asked the Lord to forgive you of your thoughts or your actions or your deeds. Repent. And what I am noticing is that receiving the Holy Spirit is not a one-time gift. It is continuous. It's an over and over and over. And so he says, so that you will receive. Receive is not a one time. Receive is something that you receive today. You receive tomorrow. You receive as much as you need. You receive. I had a joke. I went ahead and I had a gallon bottle and I bored three holes in one of them because I was going to use it as a, as a planter pot. And I picked up the wrong bottle. I went, went and I was filling it with water. And I realized that the, the, the thing should have been full by now. But I'm wondering, what's happening? I'm watching it full and, and it's not, the water is running, 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 and the thing not fulling. So I lift up the bottle. I said, okay, I'm just going to use what is in it. When I lift up the bottle, I realized that the, it was the bottle with the three holes that I was using. And, and, and even as I said that, I realized we have this way of leaking out. We have holes. We have things in our lives that are, were done to us 
or that we did that created holes and we sometimes we're not healed and sometimes we think we're healed because it has been years but we act I know that I act out of my experiences for every time I, I put up a wall it's because of something that I have been through and this thing reminded me and in my mind I need to protect me from that and God is saying to, to me and to you don't finish with that there's no need to put up walls anymore Trust me, I am coming to clean out the stuff inside of you. I want to make you emotionally whole. We cannot be spiritually mature unless we are emotionally mature. And so you may be going through this and all you can remember is the negative thing that were done to you from somebody of yesteryear. Either a parent, a friend, or someone close to you. And everything you do is out of what was done to you. In 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 22, God says to us that he has sealed us and he has set his spirit in our hearts as a pledge of what is to come. In Ephesians 1, 14, the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. So God is saying to us, when we repent of our sins, these are the promises that we can claim. In Acts 2.39, we can claim the gift of the Holy Spirit as a promise for us, for our children, for our grandchildren, for our nephews, for our nieces, and for all persons that we care about, for our co-workers, for our neighbors. Another command that we can obey, it says, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Submit to God's way and turn away from the worldly and carnal lifestyle. Preserve yourself from the influence and the fate of this generation. This is a message not only to the non-believer or the non-Christian, but it's a, a, a message to us as Christians. Save ourselves from this corrupt generation. Watch your interests. Watch your desires. Watch the things that are pulling you and drawing for your attention. Actually, feed your spirit with the things that strengthen you in the Lord daily. There are conditions for us to meet. We saw the disciples pivotal changes that they made. Their lives were changing changed the languages were changed and the message was changed the primary way that you and I can change our lives is by changing our identity and our identity we change by aligning and surrendering to the lordship of Jesus we keep connecting to him as the source you can't I can't speak into this mic if it is not connected to a source it will not, you will not be hearing me. We daily ask Jesus to forgive us. We ask him to forgive us of our sins and to lead us into that, to fulfill the purpose for which we were created. And so today, one of the prayers we pray, we said, Lord, let your zeal be in us. Let the zeal for Christ be evident in us. Not only in my speaking, but in the way I love others. Let my lifestyle become contagious so that others will desire to know you 
because of what you are doing in me. Lord, cause me to be devoted to your word. Cause me to choose to do fellowship with others and to pray with each other and to live my life worshiping. The purpose of the Holy Spirit's power is not for us to sit down. Imagine someone having a, 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 a you go into school, you graduated from, from, from primary school, you pass your GSAT, your PEP, whatever the exam is, and you go home and sit down after that and do nothing. No, there's a next step. You go off to high school. And you go off to high school and you do your GC or your CXC, and you sit down and you do not move. You don't work, you don't continue to study. That's not, that's, that's not productive. And it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not empower us to sit down. The only reason why the Holy Spirit came to indwell the believers is for them to go and fulfill the assignment, the mission of Christ. The only reason why he comes to indwell you and I is for us to go. If there's no reason to go, there's no reason for the Holy Spirit. We must go and invite others. We must tell them Tell them the good news that you, you received. Tell them about the invitation that you got and you responded to. Tell them about the Savior who comes and lives and reigns and loves them. Tell them as you go. And so the question to you this morning is, are you in? Because if you're in, you will go. And if you are not in this morning and you say, you know what, I am not in, could it be because you have not accepted the invitation of Jesus to come and have eternal life? Could it be that you have not been indwelled by the Holy Spirit while you have not had the desire to go? Because he comes with boldness. He comes with courage. He comes with confidence. He comes with love. He comes with compassion. He comes with gentleness. He comes with everything that we will need. As of this morning as I stand, my invitation is for those who have not yet accepted the invitation. And the invitation is to you this morning. Have you repented of your sins? Have you been forgiven of your sins where you are now given the blessing and the salvation that comes by being reunited with God through Jesus? Have you accepted the free gift of salvation? And if your answer this morning is no, today I make the offering to you as you hear my voice, you are hearing the Father call you through his Son. The word says if you believe in your heart and if you with your confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you are saved. And so this morning I want you to, where you are, to just stop. And if that's the cry of your heart this morning, you're saying, God, I am accepting your invitation this morning to be a part of the family of God. I am accepting the internal life that you offer this morning. I ask you this morning to begin to ask the Lord to forgive you. Ask him to forgive you of the thing that you remember and even the thing that you do not remember that you have done. Ask him to, to cleanse you of the thoughts 
the desires that are contrary to him. Ask him to come and to be your Lord and Savior this morning. Ask him to come and to lead you and to guide you today. That no longer will you be, be in charge of your life. But you're saying, God, I am handing over the keys for my life to you this morning. I'm handing over the rain this morning. I want you, God, to be in control. I want you to dictate where I go and where I do not go. I want you to dictate my desires. I don't, I'm just praying that even as you hear me this morning, that you will not be like the mockers who say, oh, she's just talking. She's drunk this morning. I pray that you be like the sincere hearts that we read about this morning that says, I want to know more. And if you're a believer this morning and you know that you're in but you, have not, you do not have the desire to go. This morning I'm asking you, right where you are, to invite the Holy Spirit to come. He says, I come and I indwell. I come and I possess. I come and I fill. Because anything that is filled has no other space for anything else. And so this morning I want you to ask him to come. And if you are asking him already and you know you're filled, you're saying to him, God, God, here I am. You have the ability to take me to the people or you can bring them to me so that I can speak with confidence and with love. So this morning, wherever you are, are you in are you in is a question that you must answer. Are you in? If you should die today, if Jesus should come right now, are you in? Are you in the family of God? Are you a member of the family of God who is actively fulfilling the assignment that you have been given? Or are you sitting down and waiting? Or are you looking up in the clouds, wondering, when is he coming back? He's saying to you, get active. Get busy. Get busy. Get busy. Get busy. Get busy. As you begin to pray for the opportunities, he opens the doors. As you begin to pray and say, God, bring, show me who, show me where, when. He has a way of just bringing those persons into your life. And so this morning he's saying to us, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And so Father, I just thank you that this is a new day that you have given us to be thankful. This is a new day that you have given us to worship and to praise you. This is a new day that you have given us, Lord, that you're saying you do not have to continue to live your dual lifestyle where some people know you that way and some people know you that way and you have to wonder, who is that person? But you have given us an opportunity today, God, to stand before you and ask you to indwell us, fill us with your Holy Spirit afresh, God. Lord, we thank you that if we ask, you said if we ask, 
If we ask God, if we seek, we find. If we knock, you will open the door. If we ask, you will give. He said, if the earthly father does not give a stone when the children ask for bread, how much more our heavenly father, who loves us unconditionally, he will never give us a serpent. If we ask him for the Holy Spirit. So this morning, ask him. Ask him this morning. Ask him this morning for whatever you need. Lord, I'm accepting your invitation. Lord, I need to be filled. Lord, I need to go. I need you to open the doors to go. I need you to bring the person in, 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 in my atmosphere, in the sphere where I am, in the setting that I am in, so that I can share with them your love. So that I can share with them, God, that you are the one who comforts, the one who heals, the one who delivers, the one who sets free, the one who opens eyes, the one who makes the lame walk, the one who comforts and counsels us. Yes, Lord. So fill us this morning, God. Fill us up this morning. God, fill us up this morning, God, that we do not go away today and within the next 15 minutes we forget what you have said. Fill us up, God, that even tomorrow, God, we are still filled and we can see, God, we are, we are so much more focused, Lord God. Fill us up, God, that even on Wednesday, God, we are still full, God. Fill us up, God, that even we come back on Sunday, God, we are still full. Because we're constantly saying to you every day, God, fill me up. Fill me up where I'm leaking. Stop me up and fill me, God. Come on, you say. I remember that a child scraping the banana and stopping the pots wherever the handles were broken off and they were leaking. And God is saying to us, I can stop you up where you're leaking. I can heal you where you're broken and wounded. I can heal you because everything that you do Every negative thing that we do, every desire that we have that is contrary to him is out of an experience that we have had. And God is saying to you and me this morning, I come to heal. I come to heal you this morning. I come to heal you where you are broken this morning. Fill us up this morning. Fill us up this morning, God. Fill us up, God, with the negative experiences, the hurts, the pain, the backbiting, the rejection, the insecurities are no longer evident, God. Fill us up, God, where the things done to us no longer impact our lives. Fill us up, God, so we do not operate from the things that were done to us, they no longer influence us. Fill us up, God, so that our mouth will be used to praise and to edify and to build up as opposed to tear down. Fill us up, God, so that our heart will be loving as your heart is loving, God. Fill us up, God, so that all we can do and think is to do good for others. 
fill us up, God. Fill us up, God, and change our hearts, God. We see where you changed the heart of Samuel, where we prophesied. So, Lord, change our hearts this morning that all that we will do reflect you. All that we do, others will see that we are known by you, God. And we want to know you. Fill us up, God. Fill us up, God. Fill us up so we stop acting out of the things that were done to us. Fill us up, God, so that you think that our childhood days no longer influence us. Fill us up, God. Fill us up, God, so we know that we, though that one rejected us, but in you we are accepted. Fill us up, God. Fill us up, God. Fill us up, God, that there's no desire for dual lifestyles. Fill us up, God, so that our language will be edifying. That the words that we speak are the very words that we would say to you if you're standing physically before us. That our conversations, God, will be edifying. Fill us up, God, so that we recognize that you have already given us a message. A message to give to those that you called us to meet. To cause to speak to those that we know. Fill us up, God. as you are gracious God I want to be patient as you are patient God I want to have self control the way that you do God I want to be encouraging as you are God fill me up God
So this week as you go, I pray that the hope that you will experience this week is the hope that comes because you have made a change this morning. You have accepted the invitation of Christ to become a part of his family. And you have accepted the invitation of the Holy Spirit and you have said, Holy Spirit, I am ready. Fill me up. I pray this week that you'll experience peace. You'll experience the joy of the Lord and you'll experience his love in a new way. I pray that as you go, you'll recognize that you are blessed this morning. You are blessed in your home. You are blessed in your workplace. You are blessed even while you are on the road. That the blessing of God will overflow. I thank you that as he fill you today. That you will experience him more and more each day. So go this morning. Recognize that you are blessed. And we look forward to being with you again next week Sunday. Be blessed.
Shepherd, everybody. The Lord is my shepherd. He goes before me. He goes before me. Ooh. Defender behind me. Defender behind me. Ooh. I won't fear. with confidence, mercy and goodness, mercy and goodness. 
So 